0: Hey friends, it's your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy GM Prep. In this weekly show, I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday role-playing game. In this case, I am running the RPG Shadow Dark, the Shadow Dark RPG by Arcane Library, and I am using material from The Gloaming, which is from Curse Scroll 1, also by Arcane Library. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. Patrons get access to all all kinds of awesome stuff. City of Arches source book, Uncovered Secrets Volume 1 and 2, a dedicated Discord server, a pay- monthly Patreon Q&A, a whole bunch of exclusive adventures, a whole bunch of digital tools to help you run your games, all kinds of stuff that you get for being a patron of Sly Flourish. And you also get to help me put on shows like this. To the patrons of Sly Flourish, thank you so much for your support. So last week, they have not yet made it out of the temple. They went into a temple. They've been going into a temple to rescue a bodyguard for a, a goblin village. And this is hitting, I think this hit the same problem that I was talking about before, which is when you have a game where the characters can die so easily... It's really hard to have any kind of cohesive connection between the characters and the story that's going on, even when it's relatively thin. And the idea is like two of the characters were goblins that came from the goblin city of Aklakalic, which we made up, and they were going to travel down into this old temple, ruined temple area down below to rescue a troll bodyguard, a troll bouncer who makes sure that no of uh, no unsorted types make their way into the goblin into the goblin city, the goblin the goblin village. So, and two of the characters were on board with this cuz they were both goblins. So they went down there, they found Barbarog the troll. They rescued Barbarog, and then in that fight, right when they were fighting Barbarog, both of the goblins were killed. And two new characters showed up. And now none of the characters are goblins and none of them have a connection directly to ak And they're like, well, we saved him. That's great. But why don't we also just like explore things down here? So this is, this is, I've now run into this a couple of times and it's generally kind of hard to get players to not think through the eyes of their characters So much so that they're like, well, why am I even here? And why would I group with these people? And why would I go on these adventures? And I get lots of responses of like, well, they're players, the players should, that's on the players to figure out and stuff like that. And I get it. But there's also a, you know, there needs to be some kind of cohesive connection. And I had this i had the same kind of issue so the main plot driver for shadow dark is you're going into dangerous places to go get treasure and you're like okay that's cool like the treasure is the main motive motivation for the game treasure is what actually helps you level up and that's the design except man the the lethality is so much that like how desperate would you have to be to be willing to go down into some of these dangerous dungeons to acquire treasure just so you could have like a good night of carousing up above and you're so likely to get killed that i need some i get that i mean i guess like i'm bringing my heroic rpg idea to it that i really want the characters to have a motivation that isn't just monetary not even because i think monetary motivations are aren't like right or aren't fun but because it just doesn't balance with the risk (laughs) like the risk reward is too high and you know like you'd be better off waiting outside this is almost like ultima online back when ultima online first showed up you're almost better waiting waiting outside for adventures to come out and then stab them and take their stuff because they're going to be weakened from everything they got and it's a lot less risky Right. You don't have to worry about your torchlight if you're just waiting outside the cave. So there's there's, you know, any sort of logical reasoning kind of, in my opinion, sort of falls apart on the idea that like you're going to these super dangerous places to get treasure. There needs to be another motivation. I felt like that with Scarlet Citadel, where they went into Scarlet Citadel, they just got beat up by the first two dudes they found, like two monsters. And the two monsters are beating the crap out of the characters. And they're like and the players were like, why would we ever go back? right like why would we ever want to go there again and i had to come up with more motivation and more reasons that that, no you really are important and you need to do this and no one else is going to do it and and everything like that hey my mom is here hi mom so i you know that's something that i'm having to consider and my my current trick for dealing with this is creating sort of a factions and quests list which is that there are sort of major players this is almost like it's not quite like fronts because these are not always villains but there are major factions that the characters can be tied to when they're created. So it's almost like having a mini session zero. So that they can say who are we tied to are we tied to mugdoblub probably not mugdoblub like the mugdoblub is a quest but i don't think that's one of the ones the characters would be tied to but you could be tied to titania who's saying i need you to recover magic items that are out there because the world is about to be destroyed and we want to bring them back and your goal is to acquire these items so you and your friends can go to the feywild before they go to the realm of the fairies before the world is destroyed yeah you could i don't know about the, the green knights is a quest but i don't know if it's one of the major factions wardenwood is a faction save the village of wardenwood and it has its own its own sort of idea i guess you know kind of supporting the green knights could be another one the fallen knights of saint yidris would probably be a better faction maybe i'll have to work on this a little bit but the idea of like when you make a character choose one of these three factions and by choosing the factions that generates the quests that you have so that you still have this connection to the world around it i think i think that is a way to abstract the quests from the characters so that if the characters die and new characters show up they're still tied to the same quest that the players are interested in and rolling with i think that that's you know i think that that's something that that we want to work on because i find it difficult to not have that I find it tricky to run it when you have this constant like shifting of new characters and they have new motivations. And then like, why are we doing the things that we're doing? And they're even in the dungeon, like they're showing up in the dungeon and then they're not sure why they're there. Like how'd they get there? So that's something, that's something that we want to figure out. But we are going to get started with our new session notes. So I'm going to generate a new session planning template. As always, I'm using Notion to do my campaign planning. You can find a link in the show notes for how to use Notion and including a template that you can use to do prep of your own using Notion. Today is 14 January. The gloaming. So who do we have for our characters? Sirwin is, there are two characters, marker, there are two characters who have lasted so far the entire campaign and i think we're close i think this is the 18th session so we're pretty far like we've we've been playing for some time and uh we have two uh two two players two characters that have lived this entire duration and that's seerwin the elf priest seeker uh who's an outcast who came to the gloaming looking for a new community and Morrigan, who is a major driver for some of the storylines that's been going on and almost got eaten by a gelatinous cube. I will say this, that even though I've had some some deep story threads connected to characters it has not held back my hand in putting those characters at big risk they went into a treasure vault in the last game saw three treasure chests and said i wonder which ones are real and morrigan went over and knocked on one and as she knocked on it a pseudopod grabbed her pulled her in into the jaws of this thing immediately knocked her unconscious from the amount of damage that it, that she took and I said and it's it's you can hear the crunching of bone and the tearing of flesh as it looks like it's snapping its jaws down to bite Morgan in half if something is not done. This is a trick that I use in 5E. I think you can use it in any RPG that if you're going to set up a situation where one of the characters is at at you know deadly risk let them know and let the other characters know that this is now a thing. This is a good thing to do when you want to move the so that whatever strategy they were trying to walk in with you want to shake it up the way to shake it up is to say like hey your friend you know dorvin is down and the null is cackling and holding his spear over norvin's chest as he's getting ready to impale them if you do not manage to save dorvin by the time it is the null's turn dorvin's going to be impaled and killed and that essentially gives all of the characters a chance to do something but they have to do something they now know that risk is there and you can use that in shadow dark just as easily as you can use that in, in 5e or other rpgs that you know let them know the risk i actually heard this with falling that when somebody falls in like a DD game or a 5e game or, or any game i don't know if it's any game but almost any like any kind of d20 fantasy rpg and they're falling you can essentially have them sort of slow motion fall for one round and, and until like if they start falling they will not actually fall to their death until the end of their turn and that way every character who has a turn between them has a chance to try to rescue them and they have an option to try to save themselves the turn that they're falling i forget i don't remember where i heard it somebody i, I was i think it was a youtube video it might have been bob world i think bob wilder brought this up and I love that idea. Like, it's a really, really cool idea. It's easy to bring in. It adds a lot of tension. It also adds an element for to save people who are falling. And I think it can work really well. And you can do something similar with any sort of lethal situation. When somebody's dropped into a lethal situation, you can give them sort of countdown timer, which is the number of turns that you have to kind of save them. So I did that with Morgan. Morgan was knocked unconscious halfway in. I, think the, I don't know if the characters tried to pull her out. Somebody tried to pull her out, and it didn't work. And I was like, all you're doing is helping to tear her in half. And they're like, oh, that's not good. And then somebody else like jammed their foot in the mouth of the mimic and then managed to get her out and then healed her and and they saved her. But I was ready to have her bitten in half, even though she was like a major catalyst to some of the stories that were going on. My thought is like if she dies, her spirit is going to go into the witch knife along with that of her mother and her grandmother and so on who have been holding the witch knife. And the witch knife is this like holy relic that other characters will pick up, i.e. the magic items are now the characters of the game. So that's Morgan. Dazder, but Morgan isn't playing today. Dazder is a human witch shaman who carries the remnant of Memnon, which is a skull, the skull of Memnon. And his background is Jay's third character. Vom is a halfling who I think is a rogue. I can't can't remember if Vom is a, a rogue or not we have skull who is an orc knight of saint yidrith and calem an elf wizard these are our two newest characters and i think everybody is in and so it was skull and calem who used to be two goblins and now are not goblins anymore and i think vom is carrying prophecy the magic sword so that has been an interesting that's been an interesting thing to deal with uh getting the characters connected and we have the glorious dead like we have lots of people who have been killed? Mac torn apart by Marrow Wolves. Yakspick torn apart by Marrow wolves. Bug Juice dragged through a fire trap while being rescued. That was my favorite one. Fatlos killed by Ooze Folk under the town, became a cheerful zombie. Fennel died in an acid, acidic sandpit. Daisy lost the will to live. Daisy was my saddest That was the saddest death. Ari was killed by a gelatinous cube. Oh, is Varro? Yeah, Varro is dead. Varro killed by Rerden Varro Slayer, the forest dragon, after talking smack. He's like, I was just singing. And that was the one whose internal organs were liquefied by chlorine gas. And Jim petrified and turned into a great ooze by a trap. So it's been fun to keep a list of all the characters who died. So one thing is, like, we are 17, about, I think, 18 sessions into this. And I haven't heard anybody who's really not like, yeah, I'm kind of ready to move on. You know, I'll have to ask. I mean, I've I've been getting people's like, "Hey, are you still happy?" And they're still like, "No, we really are enjoying it." So they they are enjoying the game. And one of the big questions that I had, and that other people have had, and I've I've talked to other people who have this, is can a game like this run in a campaign? Is it is it is it does it media enough for a, for a longer campaign? And I've heard of people who are running longer campaigns in, in Shadow Dark, and I've. Now I've been running one for eighteen for eighteen sessions, and I think where somebody might where where it wouldn't have legs is in the general crunchiness of the characters. That a lot of times players, even you know, I'm not talking just like power gamer types, but just any kind of players, want to watch their characters grow in meaningful mechanical ways. And the ways that characters grow in Shadow Dark is is very thin. Like, you get, like, a plus one bonus to attack and stuff like that. You don't get lots and lots of stuff. Now, those plus bonuses really matter because of how swingy the game is. So, the effectiveness of those small bonuses matter a lot. In the same way that a larger bonus would matter a lot in D&D. Like, if you... Imagine if you got a... Like, a, a good... I mean, I guess it's not really a character progression, but it's sort of the same lines of, like, if you picked up a flame tongue Longsword in 5e, you now get to do an extra 2d6 fire damage on your attacks. You'd be like, wow, this is really good. 2Dx, 2d6 fire damage is really good. Shadow Dark is so swingy because the hit points are so low that if you gave a weapon that did 1d4 extra damage, that would be huge, or even 1 extra damage, or 2 extra damage. Like, we have a weapon now... That's a plus three longsword called prophecy. That plus three bonus is the equivalent of like 2d6 on an attack roll because the game is so much swingier and then the hit points of the monsters are so much lower that that extra three points really matters far more because all of the numbers, we talk about the flat math of 5e, 5e doesn't have flat math, anything like Shadow Dark has flat math. Shadow Dark's flat math is very, very flat in, in all, all kinds of different ways. So, our game started, let's see. I'll bring up my map on the other side here. So the characters have been making their way out. They decided to explore some of the areas around them. They battled the Mimic... They made their way through, got back to the bridge, realized that there is no way across the bridge, that the bridge has collapsed. They're trying to get out. They're like, is there any other way out? And I'm like, I don't know of any other way out. They did a lot of like, hey, how deep is this thing? And dropping things down and listening and doing scientific studies to try to figure out how far. And they figured out it's about 150 feet down. And what they don't know is it's boiling mud down there. So even if they did make their way down to the boiling mud, it would be very, very bad. So, and and other things, including big piles of indignant frogs made their way down to the boiling mud and they were not happy either. Then they saw light shining from the other side and a bunch of folks because I think I rolled a random encounter and it was sort of like bandits. You know, bandits are like shaking down the characters. I don't know if they were shaking down the characters. I added that they're shaking down the characters. So they said, hey, we'd love to help you out. We're, we were down here exploring too. We want to help you. I'm like, okay. And it's like, why don't we throw you a rope? And so they threw some a couple of ropes over and said, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll hammer them down with pitons over here. At which point our character said, every time we've done ropes and pitons, someone's almost died. We think that using ropes and pitons is a direct catalyst of character death, not steep falls. It's the ropes and the pitons that are killing us. But they said, well, in this, well, we'll do one more experiment and see if the ropes and pitons are what they're killing us. And so they hammered in the ropes and pitons and got them spanning. So they had two ropes and pitons going across the bridge. And they said, okay, now the characters will go hand over hand. And Morrigan, who's super light, said, I'll go first because I'm super light and I don't think it's a big risk. And she shuffles across and gets to the other side. They say, oh, okay, and they can bring her over. And they're like, great. And then the next guy, I think was Sirwin. And Sirwin started making his way across. And they said, oh, wait, we would like to negotiate a deal. We think that you probably have valuable items and Morgan, we would like you to give us your valuable items or else we're going to cut this rope with your friend Sirwin hanging halfway down the the rope. And they they were very nice about it, though. They were like, you know, we just think that it's important for us to kind of negotiate a good uh, understanding of what's going on. And while they're negotiating, the guy's shaking the rope with Sirwin on it just to prove that like they'll cut it first. So they're obviously a bunch of jerks and they're, they're so they're negotiating this and figuring this out and people on the other side are like trying to like should I shoot him with a bow if I shoot them will he be able to cut the rope or my friend Sirwin's gonna fall and it's a really suspenseful situation and then a mummy who was a random encounter that had disappeared a while ago shows up behind the bandits and starts like ripping the bandits into pieces In the darkness like you know dre like a a mummy hand like grabs a guy and pulls him into the darkness and then they're like what's going on and morgan's like there is a mummy back there who's killing your people and he's like yeah whatever oh my god there is and so then they're fighting the mummies and then the characters then jump over to the other rope the guy lets go of the rope sirwin manages to leap over and grab the other rope the characters are beginning to make their way over they get over there and they're fighting a bunch of bandits and then i think i can't remember if the mummy hits somebody but somebody dropped, and when they dropped, the torch went out on the other side as well. And now it's in complete darkness with a mummy on the other side. Mummies are very powerful, by the way. And only like one character is on the other side. He's like, what's, what's going on over there? So, so the strong start is the mummy, and this is a, uh, a mummy priest of Kytheros. I like to give like interesting, fun, unique names. It's not just a mummy. It's the mummy priest of Kytheros. The mummy priest of Kytheros, the bandits... And they had a name, I have to remember what their name was, and our heroes battle on the broken bridge in the dark. So that's a good strong start. Then when they are done dealing with that situation, they have some choices, some small small choices. This is choices one. And they can continue to explore the crypts or the the shrine of Kytheros which is full of dangers and potential treasures, they can leave and return to Eklaklik. Then they have their next set of choices, which is travel to and deal with Greaves Redthorn at the Redthorn camp, where he's trying to summon... So I think, you know, secret-wise, Greaves Redthorn is trying... To summon Almas, Almaz- No, Underlook, the Marrow Fiend, at the Red Thorn. So that is a secret. They they know this already, but kind of reinforcing the secret helps. Another secret is that the sorcerer Haldron had, and they they know this already. Powerful pair of artifacts that he and Morgan's mother, whose name is. Oh, what's her name? Oh, I need NPCs. Gwendolyn. I need to start with a G. Haldren had a, par- a powerful pair of artifacts that he and Gwendolyn wanted to use to defeat Mugdoblub. Boy, I'm making a lot of use of these internal links. But it's kind of handy because, like, you don't really have to do an NPC section if you're linking to your NPCs in your secrets and clues. You have your NPCs. Haldren was trapped at the vile well trying to recover the second artifact required to kill mugdolblub by the knights of saint idris so this is a secret that i don't think has come out that one of the characters who is a former knight of saint idris might know so that's kind of a cool a cool connection what else so they already know that is seeking artifacts to try to get people to leave or not to, to, to offer she's trying to rescue artifacts so that they won't be destroyed when the world is devoured by almazots i think a fun secret could be the s the the entity of almazots has appeared in the sky and what does that look like like a set of massive jaws ethereal jaws surrounding an eclipsed moon i think that's pretty cool marker so that's one choice. Their other choice is to recover the artifacts sought by the Fae Queen to book passage to the Fairy, the realm of the Fae. They could also return to... What's the name of the village? Wardenwood. Return to the village of Wardenwood to give them the cure to Mugnoblob's curse, which is the sentient ooze it's a, I don't know if it's sentient. The friendly use known as CRISPR. Travel to Haldron's Tower to try to find the sorcerer, but they could instead head to the vile well if they know this. So some some big choices that they have for their for, for various scenes. So other secrets. What are other things that they could learn? So is there other elements to Kytheros? and so i don't know if we said directly that kytheros used found hoped right hoped to use mugdoblob i'm getting addicted to like using the links to to create all new fantastic worlds i can actually use the the for funsies let's make some worlds how about how about this is what gming is all about being able to make anything you want including entire worlds And we're going to make some worlds right now using the lazy dms companion the lazy dms companion is available at the sly flourish bookstore links are available in the show notes also available on other fine places such as amazon.com or drive i don't know what i would call amazon a fine place it's available on amazon.com it's also available on drive rpg an interesting note i'll probably mention this other places if you have trouble with the shipping and handling because it's a small book but if you live in a country that isn't north america or the UK shipping can be really high. The print on demand versions on drive through and on Amazon are should be significantly cheaper because they are printing locally and don't have to deal with that and stuff like that. So we make them available there. It's the quality's the quality's not going to be quite as good as the quality of the offset printed version that we have done. World generators. Where is the world generator? Alien worlds and I packed up my dice. I gotta use my other set of dice here. All right. What is the sky? We're going to do three worlds, right? First one is a swirling violet clouds in a vortex. Some shattered landscapes. We see, I didn't see what that die roll was. That is an 18. Ancient ruins. Otherworldly landmarks, that's a shattered landscape. Otherworldly landmarks are two. I totally can't read these dice. I'm going to get some dice I can read. Otherworldly landmarks include floating obelisks. Otherworldly lairs, I don't think we really need too much. Titanic, Titanic corpse. And 15 and lost travelers. That's funny because that sounds like marrow, (laughs) right? That whole place sounds like the very place where worlds go to die. Let's roll like a few dice. Let's save a little time. So 11 and six. So 11, twisting worms in a red haze. That sounds terrible. And six is huge crevasses. So we have huge below a sky of twisting worms otherworldly landmarks and layers include 10 and 16 is a huge orbital eye and 16 is a floating dungeon below a sky of twisted worms and it is for festering demons filled with festering demons that's a, it seems like kytheros's worlds are really not really nice places the next one is 12 filled with huge nearby planets and five massive mountains. That sounds cool. Landmarks include seven and 20. Seven is twisting towers, and 20 is a, a howling mausoleum below a sky filled with huge planets. And encounters include three grasping oozes. I don't want to do oozes because we already have oozes. 19. I blinded priest. I'm like, we'll just go with priests. So those, why am I rolling up worlds? Those are some worlds that will be on the tapestries of the tomb of Kytheros when they go in there. These are examples of worlds that Kytheros sort of built using the power of Mugdal You can tell they're not great. Like, those are not great worlds. So, and that would make sense that it turns out using Mugdal to create worlds is not so great. So that's kind of fun. What else? So Kytheros realized that using Mugdal to create new worlds... Didn't work out because the ooze-like entity would simply devour whatever it created, creating ever larger Mugdelblubs. So Kytheros, so so Kythera sealed off those worlds, but blob kept coming through, and always would until it was destroyed everywhere. Though Mugdelblub exists in in multiple separate forms, it's actually one single organism that exists everywhere now everywhere within a world kill it in one world and it dies there throughout that world kill it in all worlds i think this is the key about using the well of worlds with the sphere of annihilation to destroy blob in all worlds what other are there any other secret is there any secret well so there's the whole secret saint yudrith is a twisted celestial entity worshipped by the knights saint Yidrith is actually bound beneath their keep and their keep is what i forgot to bring up curse scroll one or did i bring it up i don't think i did marker whoops that's not right so their keep is where is that 1308 the meyer castle Ruin ruins they're in 1406 gray wall which is not far from this so that is like a a temple right at the gray wall priory this is my map that i was going to use for the priory i like it copy paste that right in there oh there we go oh that image is big oh this is perfect I like, you know sometimes i get a really good map and it's just perfect because that little cell down there in the lower right that could be exactly where the the creature is being held the the, the entity so that's fun. What else do I need? I think I'm good on secrets. I got my 10, so let's not overdo that. Fantastic locations. Uh, I've got the Forgotten Temple of Shun, Aklaklik. Yeah, like I linked to basically every location here. This is kind of a, a, useless, a useless enterprise. In fact, I'm going to just delete that because I, I don't really need it. And I think what we're going to do... So I, I did these like auto sort of auto-populated notes where you could select an entity as being c- current or not. And I don't know. I don't know how useful I find those. Monsters, I don't really need to worry about because they're in, they're in the book. But what do we have? We have bandits and mum- and a mummy. And beyond that, I have no idea. And that's cool. Same with treasure. So like a lot of times, because you're rolling randomly to determine a lot of the stuff that's going on, You don't need to do a lot of prep of like which monsters are going to come into play, except the ones, you know, are going to come into play and NPCs. There's so little, there's so little prep. And here's something interesting for those of us who are still also playing 5e games. Boy, I tell you when I'm using Forge of Foes to do, it's not any harder than this. Like... Forge of foes took one element of 5e. I know I'm like pitching my own book and, you know, but, but I'm using it and Oh my God. So I run a shadowed keep on the borderlands game and I ran it last night and I was in kind of a hurry. And so all I did for monsters was grab the forge of foes stats for the monsters here. And I ran this epic three or four wave battle against dozens of skeletons. Like, you know, I think it was like a, more than a dozen skeletons at least half a dozen zombies ogre zombies and cult fanatics and i'm like i don't want to deal with a bunch of different stat blocks and i just used stats purely from forge of foes and i don't think my players like you know i don't think my players minded at all like I, I had the one interesting thing is i had one of the cult fanatics using a magic item that i dropped this twilight dwarf and battle axe which is actually not called nightshade i forget what it's called i, I gave it a different name and I, I said, oh, I'm going to have one of the cult fanatics using that axe. And that was the only thing had. And I, and I bet it was, I don't, 5e, I don't think you need stats any more complicated than this. You know, it's a heresy, I know, but wow, it was so easy. So lazy. And, you know, Shadow Dark kind of the same way. Shadow Dark, could just use the book. I, I could just, you know, look it up. So what else do we need? I don't know that we need a whole lot, right? Like... I've got my secrets, I've got my characters, i got scenes. Why don't we clean up those factions, since we've got a little extra time? So I'm going to go to my factions and quests. And I'm going to keep this stuff. I'm just going to create a new thing up above. And we're going to have, like, character factions. And I'm going to start with and the, the quest. Save the gloaming from the destruction of... I'm going to say save the goblins, right? save the goblin village from the destruction of almazot and mugdoblub so that's one faction another faction is wardenwood and save the people from mugdoblub's curse save the people from mugdoblub's curse and and from the destruction of almazot and mugdoblub Titania. recover the artifacts of the gloaming before before it is dist- before it's destroyed so those are some of them. What are there any other... So, like, Muggleblub as a faction doesn't really make sense. And these are big quests, right? These are not, like... You know, those are, like, the big goals. And then there's quests that tie to them. And I think that's where these guys come in. I think we're going to do the Green Knights. The Green Knights, the Fallen Knights of St. Yedrith, save the world and stop the... What is it? The, the destruction not the destruction of the knights of St. Idrith, the wrath of the knights of St. Idrith. So for those characters like we have characters who are knights of St. Idrith. Well, instead of being a knight of St. Idrith, they're they're kind of a fallen knight of St. Idrith. That works better for me than being cuz like the knights of St. Idrith are kind of a villainous faction. I th- I I think like those are good those are four good factions. I don't think we need more than that. I can't think of any other factions, and you want all of the factions to be generally aligned with one another. And I think in this case they they are. So, oops, I just my mouse is not working. Marker. So, Eglaklex quests are rescue Barbarog and either book passage for the goblins through Titania or stop the destruction of the gloaming. I think that those, yeah, that that looks good. I don't know what the wolf cave is about. I don't know if we're going to do anything with the wolf cave. There we go. So the save the gloaming quest, like the things that they can do for that are close the gateways of Undeluk the Marrow Fiend at the Redthorn camp, rescue Haldren, recover the well of worlds and recover the sphere of annihilation and then use the well and the sphere to destroy Magdoblob. Could be fun. All right. I I think that that all works. I think we're good with all of this and I think we will call it there. I want to thank all of you for hanging out with me today while I prepared for my Shadow Dark game. If you enjoyed this show and you want more stuff like this, the best way to get it is to sign up for the free Sly Flourish newsletter. There is a link in the show notes to sign up, and you get a weekly RPG-related email sent directly to your inbox that includes links to all of the other work that I do all week. It's an excellent resource. You also get a free Adventure Generator PDF. Again, all of that is completely free. You can also sign up for the Sly Flourish Patreon. Patrons get access to all kinds of great stuff bunch of tools to help you run your game, dedicated Discord server, the monthly Patreon Q&A, City of Arches sourcebook, a whole bunch of other material. You get lots and lots and lots of stuff for not a lot of money on the Patreon. And you can pick up any of my books, including The Lazy DM's Companion, which you saw me use earlier, Forge of Foes, which I talked about, and all of my other books at the Sly Flourish bookstore. Thank you all so much. Have a great day and get out there and play an RPG.